I invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 today as we're studying this. Be praying for us. After this, we have uh, Kim and Keith's wedding, and that'll be at 2 o'clock, and so we're excited about that. And so I'm going to be preaching three sermons today, and it's hard to get different kinds of jokes for each sermon. You know? <laughs> but, oh. I will tell you, though, this week I asked my wife if I could start taking up shadow boxing. And she told me to knock myself out. So anyway, um, <laughs> see, I know I have somebody who like those jokes. Huh? You know, Kim and Keith have no idea what they're getting into. I, I just love, I love the wedding day because, you know, they're all smiles and think everything's going to be nice and easy and, and beautiful because, you know, I, even during their counseling, they're like, yeah, we never fight. Oh, you will. <laughs> you will. Believe me, you will. I was looking up some of the stupidest fights that couples get into, right? And you don't have to say amen, but you've been there. And I know that you've gotten into these fights. They fight over the thermostat. Any amen? Some believe it's too cold. The husband thinks it's too hot. You know, and they get into a little argument. They start to fight over the thermostat. And it gets, it gets escalated. Take me home. I don't want to eat, you know, and that's all. And then all of a sudden it gets where you don't want it to be. Um, I always said I would never fight over something as stupid as toothpaste. And then I got married. And let me just say, we don't fight over the cap being off because none of us does that. But Katie is so frugal with the toothpaste that she squeezes every little last ounce out of it. And I'll have it. And I'm like, there's nothing left. We need to throw. No, no, no. Throw it out yet. Don't throw it out yet. And I'm squeezing. Nothing's coming out. No, no, there's stuff in there. Don't worry. We can get it out. You know what I mean? And I'm like, unbelievable. So we find ourselves fighting over toothpaste. You know what I mean? Wow, unbelievable. Um, fighting over whether or not we should ask for directions. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Right? Let's just ask somebody where it is so we can get there. Nah, nah, we don't need to ask anybody. Half hour later, should we ask somebody where we're going? Nah, don't ask anybody. You know, and or the other way around. Why didn't you ask somebody? We've been sitting here for a half hour. And we fight over dumb directions. And um, it happens there. This is one that happens. You've been there. You fight over the other person's alarm going off. I mean, the only day you could sleep in. And, and the other person forgets and puts the alarm five o'clock in the morning. Beep, 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 beep. And you're like, please tell me that's not your alarm. Beep, 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 beep. And you're like, unbelievable, the alarm. And all of a sudden now we're arguing over the alarm and um, you fight over dumb things like that. We fight about things that don't matter. Christians fight about things that just don't matter. In fact, most of our fights are civil wars. We fight other Christians. In fact, people write books about other Christians. And one writes a book about how you should do this, and the other one writes a book on how you should do that, and they fight over one another. Even in the IFCA, the beautiful IFCA, and you guys know what it stands for, right? IFCA, 
Italian funny Christians of America. We're all part of that. And um, the, the IFCA, actually it doesn't, but the IFCA, they had a big fight over what? The fifth point of Calvinism. Did Christ die for just the elect or does, did Christ die for the whole world? Did Christ die for the elect? And Brian would say, amen. amen. And did Christ die for the whole world? And God's people would say, Amen. Amen, right? And so we have a little argument. You know, I say, sure, Rob, don't worry, honey. Don't worry, honey. You know, you're you know, but people fight over that. Like, why would you fight over that? It's good to discuss it. But why divide over that and battle over that? When we get to heaven, we'll see who's right and who's wrong. And so, you know, we don't, we don't need to fight over those little things. People fight over translations of the Bible. And that is an arrogant fight. You know why? Because go to another country and fight over those translations. Right? And yet they fight and they'll bite and they'll, they'll, this person doesn't know the Bible and doesn't know what Bible to use and all this. And they're fighting over things that don't matter. So some people say, you know what? I'm not going to fight against anybody. I'm a lover. I just love everybody. What do you believe? Who cares? I love you. What do you believe? I love you. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm the lover. We shouldn't fight over anything. Oh, is that true? Look at verse 18. Watch this. Look at the last few words of verse 18. He says this, Fight the good fight. Timothy, you need to fight. You need to fight the good fight, which tells me that there's good fights out there. There's some things that are worth fighting for. You say, what, what are they? Well, well, in the Reformation, back when, in the days when they would, they, they, the Reformation started, they started to fight over five key things. They started to fight that Scripture alone is sufficient. In other words, we don't need to believe in, in, in tradition and all these things that churches put on people. We believe in the Bible. We believe the Bible rules and we drool. We, we trust in the Word of God. We submit to the Bible. They also fought about this, faith alone. How do you get to heaven? Do you get to heaven by doing good works or being a good person? Or do you get to heaven by believing alone in Jesus Christ alone? The Bible says it is faith alone. That is worth fighting for. Grace alone. We don't understand what grace is. You understand everything we are is all about God's grace. And so they fought about grace alone. They fought about Christ alone. Who is this Jesus? Some people say he is a God. Some say he became a God. The Bible says he is God. And he was God in the past. He's God today and he'll be God forevermore. That's our Jesus, Christ alone. And then they fought for God's glory alone. Let's live the, our lives for God's glory alone. And, 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 and everything that we do would bring honor and glory to him. So they fought over that. That's a good fight. There are some things that we should fight for. There are some things that are worth it. People's souls are at stake. We should fight for that. We shouldn't just allow people to say, okay, you know, you're going to hell, who cares? We, we, we love you anyway. No, we don't want them to go there. We fight for them. We love them. In fact, I want you to look at something real quick before we get into this passage. Turn with me, uh, it's just a couple of pages in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He tells Timothy these things. Lord willing, we'll get to this one day. But 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, I want you to pay close attention to yourself. 
You see that? Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Timothy, watch out for yourself. Watch what you do. Watch what you believe, he's saying. Watch what you teach. Why? Look at this. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. People's souls are at stake. So watch yourself, Timothy. And watch what you teach. Be careful what you teach because you can lead people astray and they won't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so going back to 1 Timothy 1, look at this here, what he says here at the end of verse 18. He says, I want you to fight the good fight. Now here's what bothers me about these words. The word fight there is not a single battle. It's an ongoing war. It's a tiring war. I mean, let me just tell you, you go through certain battles in life and you're just like, I'm done. I, I hate fighting. I don't want to fight. I don't want to continue on. He's saying this. This life is an ongoing war. When we get saved, it, it, the war begins. The war against who? The war against the devil. The war against the world. And the war against our own flesh. And let me tell you something. It is a war. And it doesn't go away. I wish it did. I wish I'd go on vacation and get away from the flesh. No, it comes with me. I wish I could get away from things in the world. But no, it's there. And Satan too. And all the things. It is an ongoing war. He says this. He says, I want you to fight. I want you to, to, to understand that you're in a war. And it's a good war. It's not a bad war. It's not, you want, you gotta fight the good things. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta fight for what is noble, what is excellent. You gotta make sure you pick your fights and choose your fights. Now watch this. He's gonna encourage him in verses 18, 19, and 20 how to fight this war. He's gonna tell him in verse 18, Timothy, you have everything you need to fight. God has enabled you for the fight. In 19, he's gonna tell him in verse 19, here's what you need to keep while you're fighting. And in verse 20, he's going to tell him, hey, at times you're going to have to take a hard stand, Timothy, so you make sure you do it. Now watch this here. Verse 18, he says, he says, when you're fighting, you need to remember your very purpose of why you are here on this earth. Look at this, verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. So what happened back then? Back then they saw Timothy and what some of the leaders, what they did is they, they prayed over Timothy and they gave Timothy a specific task. Timothy, this is what you're going to do. This is what you need to do. And then they told Timothy this. While you do this, understand that you're going to suffer some things and you're going to go through this, but you stick to the task. And so what he's saying in verse 18 is this. He's saying, Timothy, you need to remember why you are here. You need to remember what they said about you. You need to remember your God-given purpose of life. Do you know your God-given purpose? Are you ready for this? Somebody says, I don't know my God-given purpose, why I'm here. You know why you're here? You're here to fight. Wait a minute. Fight the good fight. Don't forget that. We are here to do warfare. We are here to follow the Lord. And here's the good news about it. We have everything we need to fight. Because with these divine prophecies came the Holy Spirit and everything that he needed, the divine enablement for the fight. 
And so he's saying here, Timothy, you have everything you need, but you need to remember that people have said about you, Timothy, you're going to be doing these things. You need to go out and fight. Sometimes we forget this. I hear over and over again people say, I don't know why I'm here on this earth. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm just floating around. I have no purpose. Sometimes we get so distracted by other things, we forget why we're really here. And we make life about us, and life is not about us. And we forget our very purpose. It happened to me and Katie. We went down to Argentina. i never forget to start churches. We knew our purpose. We get down there, we get busy doing this, busy doing that, busy helping a church, busy doing all this stuff. Finally, somebody asked me, so why are you down here? What are you doing? I'm like, wait a minute. You're babysitting. You're not starting churches. Oh, I forgot my purpose. Sometimes we forget our purpose. He's saying you need to remember. Timothy, people said this about you. You need to remember your God-given purpose in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you and you have everything you need to fight. So fight. But as you fight, verse 19, here's two things you need to keep that we tend to lose during the fight. We need to keep, verse 19, what? What's the first thing? Faith. You know what he's saying here? We need to continue to trust in God, even though it seems like we're fighting a losing battle. That is hard. My friend, in his touching letter that he just wrote about his wife in her young 40s, he said the doctor told him very bluntly this, you will lose the fight. She will die. But keep fighting. That is very hard to do. Sometimes we think our, our efforts are futile. Why in the world are we doing this? Sometimes I feel about that about two services sometimes. I'm like, why, why are we doing two services? You know, maybe we could just fit in one. You know, why? It, it seems futile sometimes. And I, I get discouraged. And I wonder, what in the world are we doing? We witness the people and they don't listen. Why am I even talking to the people? They just get mad at me. Or, or why, do I, why do I do this? It, it doesn't seem to produce anything. And, and we lose what? Faith. He's saying keeping the faith in the midst of the battle that you're battling for, we need to continue to trust in God and trust in God for the results and leave it in God's hands. The word faith is to rest we rest in God's hands. We depend upon God. We continue to believe in God, even though things don't seem to change. That is hard. It's very easy for us to believe in God when things change right away. We're all happy. Hey, this changed. Wow, praise God. What I'm doing is great. This is changed. But what do we do when we keep doing stuff and things don't change? Do you trust in God? Do you believe in God? He says, you keep the faith, you keep believing what God says in the midst of the culture that tells you the Bible is not true. God is not this. We still believe who God is. We don't change. Because what happens when we start changing what we believe? Look at what it says here in verse 8, 19. It says this, keeping faith and a what? A good conscience. I, I love that because God has given us a conscience. And, and here's what he's saying. When we start to believe lies, in the beginning, our conscience starts telling us that's wrong. You ever hear that bing, 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 bing in your mind? Wait a minute, that can't be true. Bing, 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 bing. Here's the problem with our conscience. If we keep believing lies, 
the bing, bing, bing gets softer. In the beginning, it's bing, bing, bing. That's not true about Jesus. That's not true about the Bible. Bing, 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 bing. Then we keep believing the lies. Bing, 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 bing. All of a sudden, the conscience, we don't even hear it. And we start to yield to sin. And guess what? We don't even hear the conscience. He's saying we keep a good conscience. We keep doing what God has called us to do. We keep at night, we can lay our heads on the pillow and say, you know what, Lord? I've done what you've called me to do. I still believe in you. I trust in you. And I'm going to leave the results in your hands. When we do that, we go to bed with a good conscience. And what he's saying is we need to keep that good conscience because the more that we listen to this false teaching, the more that we allow the false teaching, the more the conscience goes dull. In fact, Calvin said this, a bad conscience is the mother of all heresies. When you start going against your conscience, it becomes tragic. In fact, look at what it says here in the Bible, what happens. Keeping faith in a good conscience which some have rejected. They rejected trusting in the Lord. They rejected their conscience. They went against their conscience. Look what happens in verse 19. They suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. They suffered serious consequences. They've gone astray. I, I, I've seen it more than I, I, I want to... I, I, there was a missionary before we got to Argentina who went down there to preach Jesus to people. And when he got down there, you know what he did? He went before buildings and he said, God, give me this building. I believe you can give me the building. And guess what God did? Didn't give him the building. Do you know what he did? He went to another building. God, give me the building. Give me the building. Guess what God did? Didn't give him the building. He went before another building. God, I need this building. Give me the building. You know what God did? Didn't give him the building. You know what he did? He said, you know what? God's not going to give me this building, that building, and this building. Here's my conclusion. There is no God. So here's a missionary going to preach Jesus Christ who came to the conclusion there is no God. He lost his faith. He lost his good conscience. He became shipwrecked. You know where he is now? He's in Texas. He's a lawyer. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. How does that happen? It happens in the midst of the war. We stop trusting in Christ. In the midst of the war, we, we stop with our good conscience. We yield to false beliefs. We start believing things that are not in the Bible. And all of a sudden, we end up shipwrecked. Here's the good news, which I love. You know how many times Paul shipwrecked, physically shipwrecked? You ever study that in the Bible? How many times Paul shipwrecked? I'll give you a hint. Take a guess. How many times? Four times. You know how many times Paul died when he shipwrecked? Zero. You know what that tells you? When we shipwreck, it's not the end. Praise God, there's still hope. People have come to that and they said, you know what, now that person has no hope. They haven't kept their faith. They haven't kept a good conscience. They're done for. They're headed to hell. No, no. There's still hope while they're still alive. They still can turn to God. And that's why this next verse is amazing here because Paul says this here. There's something that we need to do that we hate doing in the battle, but we have to do. We have to take a stand at times. 
And I know this is hard because we don't want people not to like us. We want people to love us. We want people to think well of us. But there's times when we have to take a stand. Now look at this in verse 20. Here's what makes me mad about this verse. Why are the names so hard to pronounce? <laughs> right? Why can't it just be Jeremy in there? Why does it have to be Hymenahun? Whatever his name is. All right? Look at his name. Hymenius. Who is this guy, Hymenius? Interesting enough that um, the word Hyme in the Greek means the God of marriage. Should probably preach this in their marriage. The God of marriage. This guy was a heretic. What we do know about him is very little. But we know in the context that he was teaching things that don't please God. And he was believing things that don't please God. And, and we know that he was one of the leaders of these heretics. Now, Alexander is interesting. That's a common name. That's like John. Who is John? And so we don't really know who exactly these two people are. Hymenius is mentioned later on as preaching something about the resurrection that it's gone already. But, but notice this here. We know that they are leaders of these heretics and they're teaching things that they ought not to teach and they're believing things that they ought not to and they're not keeping the faith and they don't have a good conscience and they've gone shipwrecked. And Paul says this. Ready for it? Verse 20, whom I have handed over to Satan. Not one amen. You know what that means? I don't either. Let's keep going on. No, I'm kidding. This ain't easy. You ever study 1 Corinthians chapter 5? You ever study when Paul says to hand him over to Satan? When that person is living in immorality and he says, you know what? We handed him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You know what that means? This is very serious stuff here. When, when, when we hand somebody over to Satan, it's not like as a church we get up one Sunday and we say, devil, get him. But what we do do is this. We say, you know what? What you're believing and what you're teaching is wrong. And so we need to take a stand against that. And what that means is here, you're not allowed to do that. We need to excommunicate you from here. And when we excommunicate somebody from a church body, which is very hard and very serious to do, we hand them over to Satan. And what that means is this. Believe it or not, some people don't understand. When you're part of a local church, you're under the protective umbrella of God from Satan's attack. Satan will attack. But not like he could when we're under the umbrella of our local church. But when we remove somebody from that umbrella, Satan has full reign to do things against those people. That is amazing. And he will get their attention. That is sad. Why do we do that? We do it because we don't like people. We don't love people. No. We do that. Look what it says right here in the passage. So that they will be taught. So that they learn something. So that they understand that we are not to speak things against God and His Word. Now sometimes this gets a little hard because people look at this and they say, you know what? Why are you doing that? That's not loving. Sometimes friendship is thicker than the Bible. And they say, that's my good friend. How dare you treat my friend like that? Oh, is that your good friend? Your good friend doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. Is that your good friend? Yeah, well, if it's not your good friend, worry about your good friend's soul. 
They say, oh, wait a minute, maybe not that good friend. Things change. But what we're worried about, what it's always remedial. We're always, we want to, we want to help them. We want them to walk with God. We want them to learn something. And it's wonderful when God teaches them something. But sometimes they have to go through things that we don't like. I, I, I remember one church, they were talking about a business meeting where people started getting up and shouting at each other. And so they were shouting and screaming and saying all kinds of mean things about each other. And then they left. After they left, a few months went by. Some of them got sick. Some of them died. They were handed over to Satan. Let me tell you, we hand people over to Satan not so that they would suffer. That's not what we want. We hand them over to Satan so they understand that God's character matters. God's word matters. And their soul matters. And we care about their souls. And we want them to turn back to God. What a beautiful thing when it happens. I've seen it happen. I've seen, by God's grace, a young man who walked away from the church, could care less about it, started living his own life. And all of a sudden, he heard about God's love again and how much God loves him. He came back to the church and said, wow, I want to live for God. This is a wonderful thing. But Paul says, we need to take a stand. Now, let me ask you something. You want a good fight? Before you get into a good fight, Ask yourself these four questions, all right? These are very important. Ask yourself these four questions before you want to get into a good fight. First one is this. Will this matter a year from now? If it doesn't matter a year from now, it is not worth fighting over. The thermostat is not worth fighting over. Toothpaste is not worth fighting over. It doesn't matter a year from now. Stop fighting. Going to a different restaurant is not worth fighting over. There are things not worth fighting over. It doesn't matter a year from now or five years from now or ten years from now. So why spend energy on this? Look at the second question. This kind of this kind of gets uh, some people. Am I enjoying this fight in a sick kind of way? There are people out there who love to fight. They look for fights. They're on the internet waiting for a fight. They come home ready to fight. They, they just love to fight about everything. They look for the littlest thing and they just want to fight in a sick kind of way. They get some pleasure out of fighting with people. They're like, they, they start singing a song. I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And they're out there fighting with everybody. I mean, we get things on our social media, the church social media. They want to fight with me. You know what I do? I love this. When they start writing things about me and they want to fight, you know what I put on there? Delete. <laughs> now, if I wanted to, I can bat them. Believe me, sometimes in my flesh, I want to tell them, come meet me in the parking lot and say that to my face. All right? I'll come you, me, and my Uncle Vinny, and we'll have a nice little fight. <laughs> I'm an Italian. I don't fight. I just make three phone calls and people disappear. You know, it's as easy as that. You don't know who you're messing with. One call. That's it. You're gone. You really want to fight with me? But yet people love in a sick kind of way like to fight. That's not a good fight. That's a wrong fight. How about this one? Am I fighting for myself or am I fighting for others? Isn't it amazing how much we want to fight for ourselves instead of we forget we should be fighting for others. 
I remember when A-Rod, one of the greatest baseball players, was got caught doing steroids, and he said this, if I don't fight for myself, nobody will fight for me. And that's some kind of things that we take. i got to fight for myself. Nobody's going to fight for me. Wait a minute. We're here to fight for others. And we need to think of others and care about others. Well, my friend who put on LinkedIn, because he... He wanted to get headlights for his Nissan, and Nissan wouldn't give, give him headlights. So he starts bashing Nissan all over. I can't believe Nissan wouldn't give me headlights. You're fighting about that? And putting it on LinkedIn? Of all things. People are watching. And how about this one? This is a really good question. Do I find myself justifying my actions? In other words, you want to know what a good fight is? I never have to justify that fight because it's a good fight. But if you have to start going, you know what? I, yeah, I'm fighting for my Nissan because my Nissan's my baby. You know, and I have to justify my actions. I've missed why I should be fighting. I never have to justify fighting over what the Bible says. Or somebody who believes in something that's going to send them to hell. Yeah, I'll fight for that. I don't have to justify that fight. That's a good fight. That's a fight because we care about other people. But when we have to start justifying our actions and start justifying ourselves and saying, you know what, I am right in this fight, is the minute we say that, we are wrong in the fight. There are good things to fight for. Spend your energy doing that. Think about this last week, how many arguments and disputes you had. Were they really worth it? Did it matter? Were you caring about souls? Were you caring about things that matter? But remember when we're fighting that God wants us to keep trusting in Him even though it seems futile. Nothing's changing. And God wants us to go to bed at night with a good conscience because we have done what He has asked us to do. And there are times, and these are hard times, when God wants us to take a stand and say no more. No more. You can't believe that or teach that because God's name is not being glorified. Fight. Fight the good fight. Yes. Don't be on social media fighting over stupid things like masks and vaccines. Fight the good fight. Fight for souls. Fight for something that really matters in the long run. Fight for what God wants you to fight for his word. Believe his word is true. Fight when somebody says, you know what? I, I don't believe that, you know, you have to have faith alone to get there. Fight for that. That's a good fight. Choose your battles well. Remember, you have everything that God has given you to fight the fight. Remember, it's not just one battle. It's a war. It's a war. It's not just one day. It's every day of our lives. And remember there's times when you just have to take a stand. For what? So that people could learn that God's name needs to be glorified. What are you fighting for right now? I said, I'm fighting for nothing. I'm just a calm, peaceful dude. <laughs> You've missed the Christian life. We are in a war. And if you don't know who the enemy is, just look in the mirror. That's one of them. If you don't know who the enemy is, Satan is another. If you don't know who the enemy is, it's the world system that we live in. 
You fight. And you fight for what's right. Let's pray. Lord, I, I think of how many believers are, are fighting battles that don't honor you. Battling one another. Fighting over things that they think are really important. In the end, they mean nothing. But yeah, they're important to us. But the question is, are they important to you? So help us to care about the things that you care about. You care about souls. You care about the spiritual lives of every person here on this earth. So God, help us to fight for those things. Help us to understand our God-given purpose. You have put us in the war. The moment we get saved, we're in a war. We're in a battle. We battle against the flesh. We battle against the world. We battle against the devil. And there are times, Lord, where we take two steps forward and three steps backward. We wonder, boy, I'm not winning this battle. Why am I even fighting it so futile? Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. God, help us during those times to continue to trust in you. To go to bed with a good conscience, knowing that we've put our trust in you alone. And we've done the things that you've called us to do. Help us, God. I know it's not easy at times. It takes a stand against people who teach things that don't please you, who believe things that don't please you. At times we just try to avoid it and just not say anything and we keep our mouths shut. That's the time we ought to speak. We ought to defend the name of Christ and defend the true faith and to tell others that salvation is not by works, but it's by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. Yes. So help us, Lord, to take a stand for the things that please you. God, we hear things like this and we walk away and say, you know what, I'm just going to live my life. But Father, I pray that this week we would choose our battles well and we would spend our energy on things that bring honor and glory to you. Yes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.